What if that nagging feeling in the back of your neck was real? What if those hands reaching out from the dark that you believed were there, were there? What if the monster in the basement really existed? And what if there was really something under the bed? Would you have the courage to face your fears? Hello, brave souls. I'm your host, Paul Rondeau, and welcome to the What Do You Fear podcast, episode two. I've actually got one of my own stories I wrote tonight as the first one. It's called Self-Righteous Zombie, and then we'll see how many more stories we can fit in for like the 30, 45 minutes we got to, to be together tonight. So without further ado, let's get right into Self-Righteous Zombie, written by me. A guy who likes zombies a little too much. Hope you enjoy it. I really thought I'd see the signs of something like this happening. Figured when something like this happened, that I'd actually start looking at the news more consistently. I'll be honest though, I didn't realize anything crazy was happening until it was knocking on my front door. The sounds of sirens had been increasing over the last week, but I figured it was the peak of summer and people were out causing more problems than normal. I was obviously wrong, but I wasn't ready to see the face of the man that was slamming on my door. He had milky white eyes, skin so thin you could see his veins, and worst of all, he was missing a large portion of his cheek. It looked like someone had taken a bite right out of his face. The man continued to slam the door, and didn't seem to be getting tired. I ran around my house trying to figure out what to do. I tried to call 911, but was hit with a message saying the network was busy. I tried to text my mom, but the message wouldn't deliver. Luckily for me, I lived in an apartment building, and the doors were made of metal. I didn't think the man would be strong enough to break through the door. Unfortunately for me, though, there were extremely thin walls in the building, I could hear my neighbors snarling from the other side of the wall. He must have heard me through the wall because I could hear him slamming on the side of the wall. So now I'm stuck between a rock and a hard place. I've got one at the door and one slamming on my wall. I figured I might be able to take on my neighbor if I managed to break through I figured I might be able to take on my neighbor if he managed to break through the wall. I went to my closet and grabbed a baseball bat that my dad had bought for me in case an intruder broke in. At the time, I thought it was pretty dumb, but I was thanking my lucky stars that he bought it for me now. By the time I got back to my living room, I could see the wall shaking as he was making his way through the drywall. He slammed his hand through the drywall, punching and kicking his way through. I pleaded for him to stop, but deep down knew there was no way I'd be able to reason with him. I swung the bat and made contact with his leg. I saw the bone in his leg pop out of the other side and started to dry heave. This didn't seem to slow him down much either. He dragged himself toward me and got a hold of my leg. I brought the bat down on his head over and over again until there wasn't much left of his head. He had a death grip on my leg, and as I pulled away, it scratched my leg a bit. I cursed at him and sat down to assess what had just happened. It didn't take long for me to lose everything that was in my stomach. Once I'd recovered, I walked into my neighbor's apartment to make sure there wasn't anybody else in there. Luckily for me, he was the only one in there. I heard a screaming coming from the hallway, 
and it sounded like the man that was at my door finally went away. I used this as an opportunity to finally take a look out the window. It was worse than I could have ever imagined. Everything looked like it was on fire. You could see plumes of smoke rising out of the buildings, and everyone seemed to be running around aimlessly down the streets. I guess it could be worse for me. I could be down there right now. I realized then that it felt like I was burning up. I must have passed out after that because when I awoke, it was much later in the day. I originally freaked out when I got up because my door was wide open. I poked my head out of the hallway and saw that there were traces of blood up and down the hallway. I tried to close my front door, but whoever had kicked it in had done a number on it and it wouldn't close anymore. I noticed then that everything looked a little off. It felt like I had beer goggles on and I was having a hard time walking a straight line. I must still be groggy for waking up. It's the only thing that makes sense to me. I looked out the window and saw armored vehicles parked outside. From where I looked, they seemed to be shooting unarmed civilians as they ran toward them. The military must have orders to kill anyone that's in the infected zone. I knew it was only a matter of time before they would start clearing the buildings and find me here. I needed to get out of there before they killed me too. I ran into the hallway to make my way out of the building. I needed to make it down three floors to make it to the lobby. I tried knocking on the doors to let other survivors know they should get out of the building too, but was met with silence. Everyone else must have evacuated or was shot already. I made my way through the hallways until I made it to the stairwell. I saw another survivor who looked at me for a moment and then just ran in the opposite direction. The man must have just killed one of those things too because his clothes were covered in blood. I looked down at my own clothes and realized they were also covered in a dark crimson color. Hopefully soon I can find some place safe I can get clean and wash this day off myself. I saw a man down the hallway, but without really thinking, my body acted. I charged down the hallway at the man and pinned him against the wall. I didn't have the bat anymore, so I bit into his shoulder. He roared in pain and pushed me back. I don't think I've ever bit anyone like that before in my life. I saw that further down the hallway, a small child and woman were crying. They looked at me with fear in their eyes. And then finally, it clicked in my mind. I got off the man and allowed him to pick up his weapon. I was fighting the urge to run down the hallway and rip out the child's throat. The man looked confused at first, but I had stopped attacking him. I tried to speak to him, but I could tell he didn't understand a word I was saying. I ran in the opposite direction and threw myself out a window. I fell two stories and didn't really feel a thing. If a fall wasn't going to do it, then I had a pretty good idea what would. I ran in the direction of the other survivors, toward the sound of gunfire. I gritted the bullet that graced my skull with open arms. So I've watched a lot of zombie stuff, and they've flirted with the idea that some zombies were aware, um, but they've never really showed one where the person didn't wasn't aware originally that they were a zombie. You know, that's why his his vision was kind of screwed up because I mean his eyes are dead now. And yeah, I just I like the idea that 
if you did find out you were a zombie and you couldn't control yourself, would you want to end it? Would you want to make it to where you weren't going to be a liability to somebody else because you couldn't control your urges? I don't know. The idea of that always sounded interesting to me. Any, any story where there's almost like a monster that has to make a, a choice like that where it's either I'm going to survive, but I'm probably going to kill people, or I'm going to die and I'll save many, possibly. I always love that. All right, next we're moving into the Let's Not Meet subreddit. And the first story is going to be called, I was stalked for a month and had no clue. I walk to most places because being severely visually impaired, obviously can't drive. I walk at night during summer, which lasts anywhere from April to October if we're lucky. This is probably not the safest idea, but I'm from Texas, so temperatures of 100 degrees aren't usual aren't unusual one of my usual destinations was a convenience store a few blocks from my previous house I set out one night normal to get myself uh, some Pepsi and a candy stash our town isn't very big and most people drive everywhere it's very unusual to come across anyone else on my route to the store but that night a man appeared out of nowhere and started talking like he knew me he asked me where I was going and I told him it wasn't unusual for people to keep watch on me because hard of hearing, blind girl with forearm crutches. This guy had no reason to be there and was walking way close behind me. He asked me where I was going and I told him just in case I was overreacting. I sped up as much as I could since, the per- since this part of the route was very dark with only a subway that had closed for the night. He definitely wasn't there for a $5 foot long. I tried to appear calm, though the alarm bells were ringing, and I was shaking to the point where I was afraid I'd drop a crutch, which was probably the worst thing that could happen right then. Especially after starting asking what I liked in the bedroom, and he could easily have his way with me in the ditch, and no one would know. He felt sick but continued walking, or I felt sick but continued walking. The store was only 20, 20 yards away. I knew the guy was on the graveyard shift. Sorry, I had to, I had to change the size of my eyes are terrible. Uh, I got safely inside and my friend handed me a bag to carry my stuff in until I was ready to check out. When I got up to the register, he began speaking loudly enough that my ears hurt and I had to turn my hearing aids down because it hurt my ears. Hey, sweets, did you find... Did you ever find my 3DS? I played along in the open, the half-door thing, and I sat on the stool like it, like it was normal. Creepy dude came over and slammed his Bud Light in a tent on the counter. After being handed his change, he went outside. He's still out there by the S-machine. After about 20 minutes, he still hadn't left. My friend called his manager, and after explaining the situation, he told him to lock up and run me home. He did, and even walked me to my door. I put the key in the door, and and we stepped inside. Catherine said to give you this. He handed a keychain and showed me how to lock lock and unlock the pepper spray. Call us before you come from now on. He's coming after you for the last four weeks. He left, and I made sure every door and window was locked. So, creepy dude. Let's never meet again. 
you know, I, as somebody who walks at night, like I, I, my favorite time to walk is at night. It hands down. It's my absolute favorite. And uh, at one point I was staying up really, really late, which I mean, I am tonight. It's almost one o'clock in the morning, but I love to walk at night, but I don't have the same fear of walking at night that, uh, that a woman might have, you know, I'm not really worried about someone coming to get me. I'm worried about something <laughs> coming to get me, uh, especially if I'm listening to something spooky, but yeah, it just the fact that some creepo would follow this girl who had crutches was visually impaired and was just trying to go get like a drink. It's just something I don't worry about. And I feel, I feel bad that women have to worry about that. That's that sucks. So I hope that the creepies, the creepy dude and her never meet again. On to the next story. So our next story is this one's the stranger and the cadaver dog. I'm not sure how real this one is. <laughs> I told this story once a long time ago in a smaller sub. But I thought you guys here would appreciate it. An old friend of mine had a canine search and rescue operation and had several dogs that had different skills. He had dogs that were trained in different things. One for search for human remains, one that was trained to search for live survivors, including through the rubble of accidents or disaster sites, and even a little dog that could detect bed bugs. I would sometimes help in the training of the dogs by hiding in the woods or in hard to reach areas and I love doing it. It's amazing to see these incredible animals work. Plus, I love them. And I sat with them a lot when he was out searching in different parts of the country for actual victims. One afternoon, we walked through the park with a cadaver dog, a beautiful German shepherd who was the face of the company, not working. But we did our canine search and rescue attire on when a man approached. He stopped us to ask if he could pet her, which is not uncommon. And she was super friendly and sweet, so we said, of course. The weird thing is that the moment he stopped, the dog immediately gave her signal and laid down right by his feet. My friend and I looked at each other almost in horror because the dog was signaling that she detected human remains. She was the most experienced of all the dogs and would not have made a mistake. It was clearly her signal. It spooked us both so much that we cut the conversation short and left quickly. To this day, we have no idea what that was about. I should also add that she was trained to detect human remains. She was taught not to alert on animal remains. I still think about that day a lot. Yeah. I wonder if it detected like a dead body on the person or how funny it would be. Like I saw the, the first comment on the thing. It was, he could be a mortician and how funny it would be if he was just like the, the mortician for the city or something like that. Or just some random guy who works at a freaking mortuary. But that was posted by uh, Gord Hoarder. And sorry, the first one was posted by Coffee Cat 086 about 10 days ago. I don't know about you guys, but I, I do actually enjoy these stories quite a bit. Um, I pop in here sometimes and check these out just to see what's going on. All right, so this one's called My Dog's a Good Boy. And it was posted by Mad Mara about 19 days ago. Okay, I should start this story by giving a bit of background so that you can understand the situation a bit better. I, a 4'9", 
16F, I'm going to guess 16-year-old female at the time, had two dogs who were both who were brothers from the same litter. Now, being boxers, they were relatively big and quite protective when need be. Vince was longer, much taller than his brother, and he's usually the kind to sleep through a hurricane if he had one. His brother, Maury, was shorter, but more muscled, stronger. Usually these two were with me 24-7, as my mother used to work a lot, and I was usually alone most of the day, sometimes even until after dark. This never really bothered me. I've been home alone... I've been left alone at home like this since I was 11. It never struck me as that I had a reason to be worried. One day, when my mom was working later, I was doing some household chores, feeding the dogs, doing dishes, stuff like that. I continued doing what I always had, a routine of tidying the house. I had done every day for years. As I went to take the trash out to the bin, I started walking towards the door when Maury stepped in front of me. I tried moving around him, telling him to get out of the way and sort... and telling him to get out of the way, but he refused to budge. This was certainly odd, and looking back on it now a few years later, I realized he was probably trying to stop me from walking outside. We continued like this for a few moments, me trying to get past him, and him, of course, never moving from his spot. He was quite heavy as a big dog. It was difficult to lift him, and even harder to get him away from something. Now, in the time we had been going back and forth with this interaction, Vince stayed happily asleep on his dog bed. I should note that from my kitchen, you can see the living room and bathroom. Usually we use the side door for the kitchen to enter and exit the house since it's attached to the carport. After a couple more minutes, I heard something I hadn't expected when I made one last desperate attempt to move Maury from his spot. He growled, which wasn't unusual as he always growled plenty in his life. What was unusual was that he growled at me. He had never done that before. Not once. But for that reason, and that reason alone... I decided not to take the trash out that night. I simply tossed it in another room and left it be. A short time passed, maybe a half an hour or so. I had gotten settled in my chair to watch the movie while I waited on my mom to come home. While I was watching the movie, I suddenly heard a quiet knock at the side door. As I mentioned earlier, you can clearly see the living room from the kitchen, so I heard the knock pretty well. It was already after dark, so I figured it was just my mother, and she had somehow forgot her keys. I got up, went into the kitchen, and out of the corner of my eye, I saw the hook near the door. The keys weren't there. To some people, that's not a big deal, but to me, it meant that the person knocking on my door was, in fact, not my mother. My mom is a bit of a routine-obsessed person, so if she actually had forgotten her keys, they would always be on the hook. I took a breath, preparing myself just not to answer the door, or if they didn't leave, just to tell them I wasn't interested in whatever was happening and that they should leave. Thinking about it now, I really wish I hadn't even looked at the window of the door. I wish I had just sat back down, called my mom, and stayed out of sight. But of course, I walked in front of the front door and immediately came face to face with a figure on the other side of the window. Now it was really dark, which is my neighbor, like, or with just my neighbor's light shining from his porch, so I could only make out a couple things of this guy. He was tall, me having to peer up at him through the window to look at his face. He had long hair that looked like a shadow over his shoulders in the dim light, but the only facial feature I could really see were his eyes. God, I wish I hadn't seen them. I could see the spark of interest flare in them as he perked up when he saw me. They were wide and staring down at me. He took a step towards my door, stepping up on the first of two steps. 
I heard him say something along the lines of, My car broke down nearby. Could I come in and use your phone? Immediately, I thought of every bad thing that I've ever had heard happening to a teenager home alone and tried to compose my nerves. I'm not sure what it was, but something told me not to trust this man standing on the other side of my door. I shouted back a quick no and an apology, hoping he was telling the truth and would just go to the next house over. But he didn't. Instead, he simply said it again, quite a bit louder. I thought for a quick moment he hadn't heard me, but then again, I now or I know now that he was most likely had. So I instead became a bit more confident. I'm sorry, I can't help you. Go to the next house. I shouted louder. For a moment he paused, as if contemplating what to do. Then he knocked again, louder than the first time I'd heard it. My heart rate increased as I stared at him. When I didn't react, he started to loudly bang against the door. I took a step back, praying to whatever god that he would either leave or my mom would be home early. I was usually a quiet girl, but my mom was a badass redneck with a raptor knife. She could take him. He started to bang on the glass after a moment, my mind racing a thousand miles an hour. Should I hide? Run? My phone was in the other room and I was scared to take my eyes off this guy. I was sure he would break through the glass. The banging was vibrating my eardrums, and apparently it was vibrating Maury's too. I saw him creeping up past the doorway, bending his head, teeth barred. He started to bark loudly. The guy stopped a moment, trying to see into the window at the floor where Maury stood. When he stopped barking, the guy mistakenly tried to jiggle the door handle. Now that's when Vince woke up. I swear to God, for a dog that was dead asleep five seconds prior, I'd never seen him move that fast, ever. In only two seconds, Vince had his paws up on the door, growling like a hellhound at the devil's side at this man outside my house. The guy jumped, fell back, and bolted it. I heard him say something as he started to run away and saw another shadow. My mom came home shortly after I had sprinted across my carport to my neighbor's. We called the police after I explained what had happened and my neighbor had dragged a shotgun out before they even got there. He had insisted on looking for the guy. The police had said someone tried to pick the lock on my front door, but there was a lot of stuff in front of it and it was really old so it didn't open anymore. I went to bed that night, uneasy and so very thankful I had two dogs who were not only strong and big, but one that was vigilant and one that could practically kill if you let him. A few weeks went by and we hadn't heard from the cops, so eventually I stopped trying to think about it. Another month went by, and although I was a bit scared of being home alone, nothing else seemed to happen. Then we got another visit from the cops. What they told me made my heart sink in my chest and still gives me chills to this day. They had caught the guys and realized they were stalking me. Yes, guys, plural. There were two guys, and they had apparently been stalking me without my knowledge for months. They had several photos of me, words they had been written over them. Uh, words they had written over them. Awful words. The police had been fairly adamant that I changed my locks, since they caught two guys, and there were evidence of a third. We moved shortly after that. I still pass by that house sometimes, when I go to visit friends or do stuff around that area. A chill runs down my spine every time I do. To think they could never caught one of those guys was scary enough. The fact they tried to break into my house was worse, not to, mention, not to mention that I hadn't even known they were watching me. I still think about it even now a few years later. I dread what would have happened if my dogs weren't there, and I dread even worse about what they had planned to do if I had opened the door or they had successfully broken in. 
I suppose they weren't expecting my dogs, since our backyard is fenced, and they most likely stayed indoors since it was so hot where I lived. I thanked the universe every day that I had them, especially now. My mom never worked until after dark again after that, which in all honesty was fine with me. So to the man they still haven't caught, let's not meet. I'll be honest, to the man they haven't caught, get fucked. You're a fucking weirdo, <laughs> and no one fucking likes you. This is another one of those things where, like, this isn't something I worry about at night. I'm not, I mean, don't get me wrong. I make sure all my doors and shit are locked. But, yeah, I'm not, like, 100% worried that someone's stalking me either. Who Who is going to stalk a big fat, a big fat dude? <laughs> like, no one's interested in trying to, like, stalk me. But I do have kids, and that kind of the shit scares me. Especially when they get older. I have I have little kids right now, but. I mean, I have a daughter, and to think that someone could stalk her is, is really, it freaks me out. <laughs> okay, that, one's, that was a good one. That was a long one. All right, we're going to do, we'll do one more and we'll call it tonight. So this one is called The Man by the Shed. It says it's long. It was by, it was posted by Danny Eel. I, I'm probably saying that wrong. And it was posted about 20 days ago. So let's check it out. So my boyfriend, 23-year-old male, and I, a 23-year-old female, recently decided that we wanted to take the new tent we bought uh, on its first trip. The tent was one of those that hooks up in your car to provide more storage space. And we were excited to try it out. We had planned a kayaking trip the, trip the next day at a kayak rental shop. It was supposed to be nice, inexpensive, outdoorsy weekend getaway. We tend to book things last minute, so all the state parks and professional campgrounds were full. Hang on, I need a drink. This led to a website that is essentially an Airbnb for campsites. The place we chose was a 100-acre property just 20 minutes south of the kayak shop. Of all the sites in the area... It was described as having working bathrooms, showers, it allowed for campfires, and all the sites were car accessible. Important for a car-dependent tent. The site was also the most reviewed in the area with the three five-out-of-five-star reviews. The area was very rural, so we did not think much about the low number of reviews for any of the campsites. The renter was Mary, who only texted us updates, which seemed sweet. We started our two-hour drive a bit later than anticipated, which put us behind the 11 a.m. time we had originally informed the host. We tried to keep her updated with the new schedule. She just told us to let her know when we arrive at the address she sent us. We arrived at the address and are greeted with the barn from the pictures. It had string lights all over it, seemed fairly new, and just gave a nice feel to it. We sat in the car for a minute and struggled with cell phone service to text the host to let her know we had arrived. Ten minutes after our text sends, a sweaty man who appears to be in his 60s pulls up in an ATV. He lets us know he is the father-in-law to Mary, and she is busy taking care of the seasonal harvest, and sent him instead. He lets us know we can take the car anywhere on the property, and offers to show us around in the ATV. My, boyf- my boyfriend, visibly uncomfortable, declines the offer and asks for a, f- a few more questions about the woods and how far into them we are allowed to take the car. Anywhere. There are no designated campsites. We can go anywhere, and the ATV man even offers to help pull my car out if it gets stuck. 
We ask one final question about cell service, and he jokes that if we are from around here, we will understand that reception works better on one side of the barn than the other. I am from around here, and thought it was funny, but once he said that I realized, or, but once he said that, I realized he didn't have any ounce of an accent from for here like he should. Eventually he leaves, and we begin, ex- we begin exploring the property on foot. The barn is nice and maintained. It was fully lit in the middle of the day, with the string lights decorating the interior too. It is insulated and has a working kitchen. The only warning we got was not to drink the water. It seemed like a place that would host small 50-guest weddings. We walked past the shed and behind the barn to let the trail um, to get to the trails that ran through the woods. After going through a hike that my car would have never survived, we decided it might be best just to camp for a small creek, and we and why uh, we choose sorry we chose a spot on the side opposite the barn. We were still within walking distance, but we used my car as a buffer to feel a bit more isolated. We choose our spot, and then we go into the main town to eat and walk around. We message Mary about the fire policy, and she tells us they will deliver a fire ring to the barn for us to take to the camp. We arrive back at the barn about an hour and a half from nighttime. We drive by the barn, and the lights have been turned off. We assumed it was on a timer as to not waste energy or money. We also noticed the fire ring has not been delivered. We start the grueling 30-minute setup in the sticky heat and reward ourselves with a sit-in-the-air-conditioning car. We notice it looks like it's about to rain, so my boyfriend and I pull out a card game and wait for it to pass in the car. It only lasted about 10 minutes, but it started to be sunset. The tent held up nicely, so we felt okay leaving it for a second. Needing to use the bathroom, we start walking to the barn. As we cross the creek, we hear this what sounds to be like someone in the shed moving things around. A bit unsettling, but I tell my boyfriend that maybe they used equipment today and it's just sitting in there making the crackling cool-off noise that it does sometimes. We get to the barn and the lights are still off but the fire ring is, is there. We go in and check to make sure the power is off, and it is not just the lights outside. None of the lights which is still, uh, will work, so we assume the power is cut. Again, maybe it's just on a timer. No worries. We step out of the barn and get 10 feet away, and we hear a hum in the distance at the opposite side of the shed. The power to the barn is restored. We change direction to use the bathroom. As soon as we step inside, the power cuts. I start to get a weird feeling, and I can tell he was too. I look to my boyfriend and say, maybe they're just watching us. I immediately followed up with, no, that's a lot worse. We walk back outside, and the lights turn on. My boyfriend says we need to leave, and I have the same gut-wrenching primal fear. We put the ring back to the barn, since we had moved it 10 feet, and the barn lights start flickering. We briskly walk back to the car, being from Appalachia, or Appalachia, however you say it, I know better than to run. The 30-minute setup was torn down and packed up in five minutes, and we jump in the car and lock it. I managed to get my car going, thanking God the rain did not get my car stuck. We start toward the driveway, and just as we made it to the road, my boyfriend looks back and sees a man standing by the shed watching us. As soon as my car pulls off onto the road, we get a text from Mary letting us know that the fire ring is out by the barn. She also informs us we are welcome to stay in the barn if the rain has messed up our camping experience we arrive at a nice hotel willing to splurge for safety at this point it's 10pm at the earliest a sweet older lady checks us in desperate for validation 
and just comfort from anyone. We tell her what we had just happened to us at the campsites. She looks shocked. She asks if we had seen the news lately, which we both respond that we had not. The lady tells us that couples in the state have been going missing. All of them had gone camping. Three couples were truly missing, and one was recently found on the side of the freeway slashed to near death. They are, to the time of posting, still recovering in the hospital. We couldn't find many articles about where in the state, but the look in the lady's face suggested it was near us. We get to our room and text Mary back to tell her we are not staying. Thank you for staying with us. We lock the door and I break down in tears. I will not forget the feeling I got at the barn, the primal uh, fight-or-flight feeling and the feeling of being watched. I feel it in my throat just writing this. I never want to experience again. So to the man by the shed who watched us drive away, let's never meet. Yeah, <laughs> the first the first comment is safe to assume Mary is not Mary. Could you imagine if it was just some psycho dude that owned that place and uh, he was letting people... <laughs> yeah, he was basically just like bringing people in there to, to murder them. What an awful fucking thing. I'll be honest, the... Yeah, I try to stick with, like, state parks. It's not, almost not like, um... What is it? Like, safety and numbers kind of thought process? Like, I, I recently took my kids camping, I don't know, a few weeks ago. And it didn't feel that freaky because we had... Dude, I'll be honest, we had so many people in the house. It was kind of insane. Um, my kids loved it because it was a bunch of kids, but... It didn't really feel like camping, but at the same time, I wasn't really worried about anything either because there was just so many people there was just no way that anyone was really going to get with it, get away with anything sketchy. But yeah. Yeah. I, I hope you guys enjoy these. Let's not meet things. I, I don't know. I just needed something to kind of buffer up or buff up this, this episode with, but I do love these stories. I know they're not supernatural in nature. Um, but to me, sometimes re actual scary stuff that happens in real life is way scarier than, um, some story someone writes you know and this one kind of freaked me out a little bit too it kind of gave me the goosebumps just because i mean how how real does that feel it feels insanely real but yeah i hope you guys enjoyed the stories come back next time for some more spooky stories hopefully i'll have another original for you and as always remember to face your fears